Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals. It's not about being the best in the world. It's about doing what's best for the world. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Hi, everybody. It's me, Rosie O'Donnell, and this is Onward, and we have a wonderful podcast for you today. I'm happy to be up and about. I was out for about a week with uh, COVID for the first time. I, you know, I was always kind of proud of the fact that I had never gotten it, but there it is. My turn was up. I got it. And um, happy that it was mild, you know, it's tiring, but mild and still got a little bit of a throat thing going on. You might be able to hear, but uh, I am no longer contagious. Hip, hip, hooray. A lot of news going on this week. A lot of celebrity news. Drew Barrymore was in the hot seat over the decision she made to um, cross the picket line for the Writers Guild. And that was, it was a lot of press, negative press that she got. And, you know, everyone's allowed to change their mind when they take a breath and they realize, well, maybe let me listen to other people's point of view and understand it, reframe it and make a different decision. And I I think it's wonderful that she did that. And, you know, as a result, other shows now say that they're not going to cross the picket line either, like the talk and, uh, I believe, Jennifer Hudson. And that's all because Drew stood up. You know, you can't be the one uh, who crosses the picket line and and um, ruins the actors and writers' ability, the workers of show business, to do what they do. So, I don't know. I'm union strong, and I'm uh, Drew Barrymore strong. And I think that that she did the right thing. So, so good for her. And... and um, you know, union strong people, union strong. We're not asking for anything unreasonable. It's just so that we can continue to exist in the industry that we help create. There you go. All right. So um, today is uh, a friend of mine. You know her. You love her. She uh, is the reason that I tested myself for COVID because uh I was going to see her for lunch and everybody always makes sure to test before because she lost half her lung, uh, had it taken out with cancer and she's doing great now and she's performing in Vegas on October 6th and I'm going and I hope that you will too. Uh, She's here. Here she is, Kathy Griffin. Well, look who's here, Kathy Griffin. Hello, Kathy Griffin. Griffin O'Donnell. O'Donnell <laughs> Griffin. Tell them the genesis of that. Uh, you know, 
I don't really remember, but I know this. It's every time you call me. Yeah, well, I always call people their last name. But as if, oh, absolutely. It's an endearment for me. Yeah. But as if I don't know your voice. <laughs> as if you need to identify yourself like you're a telemarketer. Yeah. Griffin O'Donnell. O'Donnell. Donald Griffin. Uh, I just want to see how you're doing it. You know, yeah, I know. I don't yep. know. I, I've done it for a long time, but until you pointed it out, I didn't realize it. They put it in one of my specials. I know, I you know. Kidding? It's yes. legendary. Yeah, you talk uh, like this is your impression of Rosie O'Donnell. I jack it up a little. I jack it up a little. I embellish. You know, That's I'm not right. above an embellishment. But your embellishments are delightful. Oh, hey, I'm just happy to be back on stage. First of all, let's talk about your miraculous, resurgent, emergent, amazing performance in Vegas that you already did. And you're going back very soon. Yes. On Friday, October 6th, I'll be at the Mirage in Las Vegas. Right. And I cannot wait. So on June 12th, Ro, I did my first show in five years. Now, tell me how it came about, first of all. Okay. So basically, the Trump scandal happened six years ago. Right. Um, you know, and I've been, you know, kind of blacklisted and a lot of people all have a have trouble getting beyond that, et cetera. And that's been going on for really quite a while. And it still kind of has tentacles to this day. Then I got cancer. Mm. So my voice is a bit altered. I'm kind of self-conscious about it. Right. Because, you know, my whole life I've had this kind of scratchy voice. And now it's like a, a little bit higher pitched. But the good news is I'm cancer-free. Fantastic. That is the best part. I had lung cancer, even though I've never smoked. Yeah, isn't that wild? I know. Do they know know a percent? What's the percentage of people who get that who've never smoked? It's getting much higher, especially for women. Because of pollution? Because of pollution. They asked me if I had been exposed to radon. I said, look, when I was a kid, did you guys have the DDT truck? Oh, my God. Yes, we did. And we ran in it. We ran in it. We would go, I'm in a cloud. Right. And my mother would say, kids, the DDT truck is coming. And it was like a neighborhood activity to run behind pesticides and think we were emerged in a cloud. Yes. And so now, for people who don't know that they, they used to come and spray the neighborhoods in suburbia with all this stuff for DDT is like to kill foliage, right? Yeah. But they would just drive it right, drive down right the down the middle of the street. Yes, yes. and like we would Pied Piper. Yes, and we would chase it like the ice cream truck. Yes, it yes. was crazy making. We didn't know any better. And is that radon in there? Is that I think radon yeah. might be in there. Um, someone asked me if it was possibly from smoke doing clubs at the beginning of my career. I'm not mm. sure, but um, I. Got it. It's more common in women. And so they had to take out half my left lung. And during the surgery, I was injured. And so my left uh, vocal cord is permanently paralyzed. And I have an aperture, like a tear above it. Mm. And that's why my voice will be like this permanently. But I will say the audience at Vegas was very forgiving. Right, because you talk about it right up front, right? I got to say right up front, because I don't want people to wonder why I have this voice. or It kind of sounds like I have a bad cough or something. But, um, you know, and I also do a lot of jokes about cancer, because I say to the audience, clap if you have been touched in any way, your family, yourself, your loved ones by cancer. And, of course, the whole place claps. Sure. So, um, as our mutual friend, Fran Drescher, knows, when she wrote Cancer Schmancer, there's actually a lot of comedy that goes on in tragedy. Yes. And so I talk about that stuff and I find um, people relate to it and I'm just so grateful that they do. So I get beyond that and, you know, they know that the reason I haven't been on tour is because of the Trump scandal. Right. And, and, and do you cancer. do you bring that up again or do you leave it or? You know what's funny, bro? I actually don't mention him once in this new show. That's fantastic. It's not even on purpose. Right. I just have done that. I made a whole movie about the scandal called Kathy Griffin, A Hell of a Story. You can see it on Amazon. I think it's even free now. But I kind of feel like, you know, if he does something in the news, like obviously the mugshot coming out, Mm. I would definitely acknowledge it if I had a show that night. Sure, sure. But in this particular show, he just doesn't come up. And I'm kind of just too busy talking about cancer. And, you know, I'm in recovery for prescription pills. Mm. I talk about that. I've been diagnosed with complex PTSD, which I know sounds funny and it should only be for combat veterans, but you know, whatever, I have it. And so I talk about my therapies for that because it's a lot of stuff that you just have to laugh about. Right. For example, one of my therapies 
I'm just going to tell you this right to you. Okay, folks. go ahead. And you know what? You can make fun of me. I will. You can get all Long Island on me. I can. And I can take it. All right, Griffin. O'Donnell says go. Okay. So I get on all fours. Uh-huh. And part of my therapy is I do something called cat cow. Which is? I don't know why I do it. Okay. But the kundalini yoga teacher told me to. Yes. And so I do. And when you put your head up, you moo, like moo, like a cow, or moo. And then you arch your back and you meow like a cow. Oh, it, yes. Yeah. And you know what? Let me tell you something. After my cancer, my PTSD was so bad. I, I'm not, this is going to be gross. I could not stop vomiting for 10 months. I remember this fit. I got phase. So it was so scary. It was so scary. And I would be covered in flop sweat. Yes. My, I got a um, resting tremor, mm. which if I get nervous, it comes back. So sometimes like when I was on stage, I could feel my legs shaking. Sure. It's just involuntary. And I tell the audience too, I go, I'm not even nervous, but I just kind of shake a little bit. Can I and, ask a question real quick? Yeah. The PTSD yeah. was definitely from the Trump situation but do you think it also was from the cancer situation? Absolutely. Yes. Because I think I thought when they took out my half my left lung and I was cancer-free, I think I thought I was going to go back to being my regular self. Right. So having, having lost my voice, and until I found an amazing female doctor mm. named Dr. Anka Barbu, she helped me go from a voice which you saw me have for one year. Mm. I actually sounded like this. Yes. And that will mess with your head. Yes. So I think, frankly, from being such a happy workaholic and grateful workaholic to then going to the phone not ringing for five years. Now, what would happen when you would call and say, you know, I'm interested in working again? They, people would just say no? Yeah. It would, um, you know, I mean, it was everything from... You know, I, I didn't have an agent or a publicist or a manager. Oh, wait, I should tell you this. Okay, go. I had a publicist for a while, mm. and I found out he was one of these QAnons. Oh, God. So how did you end up with a QAnon publicist, first of all? Leave it to me. Okay. <laughs> so I'm looking on the TikTok, and by the way, I am very bitter about you. Why? Let me tell you why. Tell me. Because I work my ass off for that freaking TikTok. I'm doing skits. I'm putting hair and makeup on. You know what you do? You wake up with your no makeup and you just talk to people, two million followers. Yeah. All right. I'm doing cartwheels. I got my lips tattooed. How was that? Painful. Very painful. Now, let, let me say, they look very good right now. Well, you know, I don't always have to put lipstick on anymore. And so for me, it's actually been a great thing. It's called lip blushing. But I had uh, like giant swollen lips for about four days. But I, I don't mean like lip fillers. I mean, it looked like no, I got punched in the face. You sent me that picture. Yes. I had that picture. Yes. yes. And, and was that the, how swollen they were was indicative of how much pain you were in? Yes. That's how much pain it was. Wow. And um, it, I mean, think about it. It's like you have tattoos. It's like a, if you think about tattooing your lips, that's a big tattoo. Yeah. So it's a lot of pain. But it was And it's a regular pain. tattoo gun? Yeah. Oh, it is. It's a needle or whatever. Yeah. Wow. I know. I'm actually going to get it like refurbished in September. Like I'm get, they call it lip blushing. I'm getting reblushed. Okay. And is it because it fades away? It fades away a little bit. Uh-huh. And they go in there and just kind of fix it. Um, but... My point is... You do everything for the TikTok people. <laughs> yeah, and then you just... I know, I roll out of bed. I don't even wash my hair. I mean, I wash it. You don't it, even but, care about locations. You're not going no. to cities around the world. No, no, no. I'm staying on my couch. third person film you and then no. a light bar and yeah. a lighting plot. No. Yeah, no. And then filters. Yeah, and, I know. I don't know what it is. I just... Because uh, you are compelling. That's why. That's why well, your show is successful. You. And that's thank why you, your stand-up is successful because you are compelling. Hey, Griffin, it's O'Donnell. We got to take a commercial break. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, 
featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&Ms, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals. It's not about being the best in the world. It's about doing what's best for the world. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. I think that I am curious about people in yeah. a way that most people aren't. Like, Agreed. I really care about Agreed. someone's story. And, you know, so when I hear stories on there, I, I end up getting in conversations with people, especially when it's about some niche thing in my, like my daughter having autism, yes. you know, or my daughter being non-binary. Like, yeah. it's brought up a lot of conversations with other parents in similar right. situations. So, I also, you know, I just really love doing it. You love doing it, too. I love TikTok. Yeah. By the way, it's never going to go away. People that are worried about the Congress taking away or whatever, it would never pass the First Amendment uh, law. You know, it would never be able to be even diminished because of the First Amendment law. So, it's totally safe. Oh, that's good, so because I was worried. A lot of people were worried. And by the way, it is owned by the Chinese government. That's no secret. Right. Um, are they scanning our faces? Probably. But who isn't at this point? Who isn't at this point? Exactly right. You know, um, but I just wanted to let you know of my bitterness. <laughs> and I wanted you to just take that in. I will take it in. My jealousy. All right. And yet I still love doing it. And I love scrolling it because I was a big Twitter person. Yeah. And Elon kicked me off personally. Yeah, how weird was that? It's so weird because I was impersonating him. And then I kept posting things like, you know, hashtag vote blue no matter who. Yeah. And saying that he had become pro-choice after talking to his various babies' mothers. <laughs> and it got a little traction and people yeah. believed it. So he got very upset with me. And then there was this bad joke running around Twitter that a bunch of people had written saying, she's not impersonating Elon. She should be kicked off for impersonating a comedian. So he stole that joke, which okay. had been making the rounds because mm -hmm. he's such a hack. Right. And, um, and then he personally kicked me off. And then he reinstated me because there was like a little bit of blowback, which is a good sign for me. Yeah. It means maybe like I'm kind of coming back into people's good graces now, a little bit. Kath, you just sold out a huge Vegas showroom. Sold out. And you got like a 10-minute standing ovation. And they stood up when you walked out. And that I, was I, incredible. I think it's that over. Was, I think that part's over. I think from your mouth to God's ears. I will say I was hoping... After that show, I would be able to route a tour, or book a tour. Mm -hmm. um, but I think after this October 6th show, I can. I um, am with a fancy management company now called Three Arts. Oh, I know them. Yeah, and they're like fancy. They're very good, yes. So 
thank goodness that to me is like an actual sign that things are finally turning around. Right. It's nice that you're on social media, like we never left you and that's wonderful, but I want to get back to work. Sure. I want to get back to making people laugh and I don't care if it's a tour or a reality show or a game show or a host gig. I just want to make people laugh. You know, I don't know anyone who loves to work as much as you. I love it. You and really I, I do. I love stand-up in particular. I love all the gigs, Yeah, but anything where I can improvise. I mean, if I could do, and I know you feel this way, if I could do a Curb Your enthousi- Enthusiasm type of show, yeah, that would be the Holy Grail. Of course. Because what Larry gets to do on that show is just goof around with the guys, come up with the bullets, and then just do it until it's right is, is just a heavenly environment. I, you were hilarious on that show. Thank you. I think if it was that easy to do, so many people would have copied it. I think like he's like a genius, you know, that he came up with the character that is so close to him yeah. that he doesn't even really necessarily have to write. He just thinks yeah. it up, you he know? He just is. And it is You've been on there or no? I was on the very first episode, mm-hmm. believe it or not. Oh, great. I've kind of fallen out of Larry's uh, good graces. I'm not sure why, but I'm still a fan, as many people that don't care for me. I don't, you know what? I don't need someone to like me for me to like them. That well, is something that's good. that I've learned. I, I believe that Miss Brooke Shields is not thrilled with me mm-hmm. and has not been for many years. But let me tell you, I will always love her. Mm-hmm. That show gave me the break of a lifetime called right. Suddenly Susan. Yes. I got to work on that show for four years. She was lovely. She is still lovely. I loved the documentary about her called I did Pretty too. Baby. I thought it was beautiful. And by the way, it's about time. Yeah. She got her flowers, as the kids say, Yeah, because that one's been a long time coming. Yes. And, you know, Jerry Seinfeld is not a fan of mine. Doesn't matter. No, no. when you there. say this, I'm curious, do you just assume that? Because let's say you haven't been invited in, in comedians and cars or something. Why well, do you think that Jerry Seinfeld and Larry, like, because they, like, you know, I haven't spoken to Larry since I did the shows, yeah. but I don't think that that means he's mad at me or anything. Well, I the last time I saw Larry, he mm. wasn't very kind or welcoming in the way that he had been in the past. Oh, okay. And I think Jerry, um, by not having either one of us on Comedians and Cars, I think it's a statement because you and I are real stand-ups. Mm. It's not like we started out doing soap operas right, and right. Then fell into stand-up. You know, you and I both cut our teeth doing stand-up, have done stand-up for many, many years, have done multiple stand-up specials, mm-hmm. write our own stuff, right. do our own stuff, decades of material that is easily accessible, you know, to anyone. And so I think it's I think it's a bit of a statement. I would be I'll be honest with you, if I were to see Jerry at a social function, I I would probably be afraid to go up to him because I would not expect him to be very kind. Hmm, that's um, so interesting because you're so kind of free and, and, and abrasive if you want to be and cynical and satire, you know, in, in your act. And yet in real life, you're kind of different than that. Like yeah. you wouldn't have the bravado to go over and go, Jerry, what's up, man? How no, come I, you know what? I'm too freaking sensitive. That's right, my problem. Right. My, my skin is too thin in real life. And so I kind of been through enough. Yeah. Like the last thing I need is to have like Jerry and Larry, like be just kind of dismissive. <laughs> and I, I imagine that that is how they feel. Um, mm. And, you know, look, I have that with a lot of people in the industry. I have decades behind me of, a big agent telling me, you know, Kathy Griffin is a life's too short situation. You know, uh, I um, have been told my whole career that I'm, quote, expensive and difficult. And I've definitely burned a lot of bridges and made a lot of enemies over the years with executives because I was naive enough to think if I fought hard enough and won awards and my and was a good earner, because it's all about the mighty dollar, these these guys would pay me what they paid the guys. Mm. And I now realize at the glorious age of 62 years young, that just didn't happen. No. They just weren't capable of going there. In my opinion, they're still not. Yeah. And I thought there was a revolution happening with women in show business. And I have to be honest, I don't think it's that much better than was when Joan was coming up, Joan Rivers, and kind of through the ranks. And I personally saw her have to fight a lot of battles that I didn't think she should have to fight at all. Mm-hmm. And, 
you know, let's talk about Fashion Police. She wanted desperately to make that a union show. And the writers of that show really, in my opinion, viciously attacked her for not getting enough money. Well, when you work for the freaking E! Channel, yeah. they're not going to make it a union show. Right. You know, I mean, it's like Bravo. I wish my life on the dealers could have been union or my specials or my talk show. But the truth is they just never were prepared to pay me, you know, what it takes to make a union show. Right. And like I said, I, you know, I look at my male contemporaries and I see many of them immersed in all kinds of scandals. And in my case, this scandal really, you know, really put me out of work for, like I said, years. And it, it just was a mindfuck to, to not have the phone ring for five years, but also be pitching. I was pitching this kind of show, that kind of show. I was taking meetings with anybody. I had a couple of lower level people approach me and say, I think you got a raw deal. I think you're hysterical. I grew up watching the D-list to help me come out. All those wonderful things. But when it gets up to the check signers, and that's what I call them. The, the check signers. The check signers, because people don't know. There's about a half dozen middle-aged white dudes mm -hmm. that now own so many conglomerates that there's a half dozen dudes that decide everything you watch. Right. You know, you look at a David Zaslav, who now owns Max, in addition to CNN. And, and Discovery. And Discovery Networks. And, of course, Discovery, they made their money on taking very... Um, uh, low-budget reality shows, John and Kate Plus 8, et cetera. Little People, Big World. I mean, all those shows. Right. I love them, by the way. But, you know, those shows ran internationally, did very well. And I think when you have someone with that kind of financial business ethos, they're not going to do it any other way. Right. And so, for somebody like me, when I would make an enemy of someone like a Leslie Moonves, who used to be the head of CBS. Mm -hmm. And I would tussle with him and confront him about certain things. And he says, okay, Kathy Griffin's on the shit list. And then the board of directors backs him up. Then I go, gosh, that's why I haven't worked at CBS in 15 years or whatever. And I would tussle with a guy named Jeff Zucker, who was the head of NBC and then the head of, CBS, the head of CNN. Well, Jeff had issues with me because I used to personally ask for a raise for Kathy Griffin, my life on the D-list, because NBC owns Bravo. And now Comcast, I think, I can't even remember. Yeah, there's NBC. so many now, right. But, you know, so I, I, I think I've learned my lesson. It's not a great lesson to learn. But let me tell you, I'm just a lot less confrontational. Because at this point, I don't mean to sound lazy, but... It's kind of like how I'm starting to feel about feminism, and I'm going to get blowback for this. Yeah. But I'm kind of like, can the young women take over? Like, can the younger chicks be like getting in trouble with executives? Because I feel like I still am. And well, do you know, can I, I think I told you this once. I have never talked to any of those guys. <laughs> I never went to the head of it. You know, I would call my agent and say, Nancy, could you please do this? Could you do that? Could you? I never in my life would consider calling Jeff Zucker or or any of them. I, I don't know. I never in my life had an agent that would do it for me. Uh -huh. So they just took the no. And I went like CNN, for example, New Year's Eve, which I, I very much miss doing that gig. Sure. Because it was just fun. And I just loved Anderson. And I would honestly be thinking of jokes all year round. It was just so much fun. And, you know, that broadcast went from 90 minutes to four and a half hours. And I you know, asked my agents to get me raised, and the answer was no. And then I would personally call Jeff, and we would tussle, and, you know, all sorts of things would happen on those calls. I mean, one time I had my mother, my 99-year-old mother, call Jeff Zucker as, like, a comedy bit to try to get a raise. Wow. Like, I tried everything with these guys. Wow. And sometimes it would work. And sometimes it wouldn't. Right. And I think sometimes when it would work, I think they still resented me. Hmm. You know, like, yes, I... I went to a guy named uh, Peter Roth, who I was the him. head of Warner Brothers, yes. because I thought I deserved a raise on that show, Suddenly Susan. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't get a raise. And so I, um, I, I called this before even, even e uh, emails or texting, I think. And I went into his office one day at the end of the day at like 6.30 p.m. And you I had an appointment. No, I called him in and I said, there's an emergency. I need to talk to you. <laughs> you called him personally. Yes. Wow. I said, there's an emergency. I need to talk to you. And I think I said, or I may not be able to come to work tomorrow. Oh, honey. You know? 
I know. You played hardball. Yes, I did. With the head guys. Yes. Like an idiot. Like I really thought, I mean, look, it kind of worked. So I went in, I had all my stats. I said, look, this, that, and the other, here's why I think I deserve a raise. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go in with no stats. I went, this is what I'm earning. This is what I'm doing on the road. This is my level of visibility. visibility. This is my Q score. If you, if you don't know what Q scores are, it's your um, television scores on how recognizable you are and how likable. I'm always more recognizable than likable. But I went in and I said, we're going to do this like a used car sale. And he kept saying, we're not doing this. Talent mm. doesn't do this. So mm. I brought cocktail napkins with me. I said, I'm going to write a number. And then you're going to write a number. We're going to switch napkins. And he kept saying, I'm not going to do this with you. And so he goes, look, maybe tomorrow I'll call your agent. And I knew the agent was kind of done negotiating. And the answer was zero. So I wrote a number. And then I gave it to him. And he said, you're crazy. And I just kept making him laugh and doing bits. And I mean, everything but cartwheels. And finally, I got the raise. And I got more than double of what I was making. In the room you got yes, it? I did. And he said, you wore me down. He said, you were so funny and you wore me down. So that was one incident where it actually went well. I like Peter Roth. I don't know if he thinks I'm difficult and too expensive. But that was one time it kind of worked. But remember, how long ago was that? That was like 25 years ago. Right. So I think I thought, oh, I can do this with Comedy Central. I can do this with HBO. You know, and the agents would just kind of take a no because sometimes the agents you know, they're kind of more in bed with the check signer yeah. than just little D-list Kathy Griffin. Or their other clients that they want to protect who they don't yeah. want to piss off the head guy. And I was never the big client. You know, I mean, look, you had giant contracts. Right. And so I think your agent really knew like, hey, there's really big money coming in from the rosy empire, frankly. And, you know, my little D-list empire, I made a good buck. Right. But I, I never was getting the... Five million a year, or any anything close to that. So I I tussled a lot, and I think I was kind of just raised that way anyway. So it was like a combination of how I just was as a person, but I really my I had thought, okay, this is it. Mm. If I dance enough, they're going to give me what the guys get. We'll be right back with Kathy Griffin. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness. Kick back and spread some positivity into the world. From smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports, on stages, and at the box office, women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to Women Take the Mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs, and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. 
With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals. It's not about being the best in the world. It's about doing what's best for the world. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Do you think since the cancer and since what you call the cancellation that you've changed? Like you, would you do that now? I would would not do that. No, no. Honestly, the nice thing is knock on wood, our mutual dear friend, Susie Orman, girlfriend, denied, (laughs) approved, you can't afford it. Well, she and I are still good friends. And, you know, look, I am very proud that I worked as hard as I did. And I'm proud that I'm good with money. You really are. You live a beautiful, now you don't have children, you got a lot of dogs, right. you're married, but you know, you have a, a, a very successful celebrity life, I think. I'm very lucky. I always say I only have two talents. I'm funny and I'm good with money. And so I'm in a position where I don't have to take a crappy gig and I won't, but I'll never be in a position where I can demand what the guys get. You know, I mean, I think about the guys I came up with, you know, Ray Romano, um, David Spade, uh, Kevin James, you know, kind of the guys who were like around circling when we were all just doing sets. On sure. TV yeah. So much. they were around with me as well. And we're, we're the same age. So, yeah, yeah all yeah. those guys. Yes. Yeah. But, you know, they had tremendous success on a sitcom. All of them. Right. They had David was, of course, on SNL. But yep. the other two had successful sitcoms right. for many years. And, right. you know, it's it's hard sometimes to compare yourself to other people. I find it's for me, it's very unhelpful because. There's no way that you know what's going on in someone's life or world or, but the blatant, you know, anti-woman sentiment is still there. Yeah. You know, we're not at equal pay really anywhere. No, no. And I certainly am not bitching because like you said, I have a great life and I'm very grateful for that, but I am discouraged that there isn't more progress made. Yeah. And I... What, what discourages me the most is I don't want younger women to go through what I did, where you have one meeting with an executive and they're pissed off at you for 20 freaking years. Mm. Like some of these guys are pissed off at me to this day. Mm. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I asked for a raise 15 years ago, you know, whatever. And, you know, just a lot of bizarre, spiteful behavior. Like yes. when I... um the the year Trump was uh, elected, I was my I think it might have been my last year on CNN. Th- yeah, that's right. Of course it was. And um, Jeff Zucker called me and he said, "Okay, I'll, I'll give you one Trump joke an hour." And I said, "Jeff, he's he, he well, you've never done this before, right?" I said, "It sounds like you're being a pussy and you're scared of him." By the way, hence me having enemies with executives because um, that's how I talk to them. And I said, "You know." We have a four and a half hour broadcast, and he's in the news like constantly, but for his own bizarre behavior. Right. But also, the world is watching it. This is a global broadcast. And I said, Look, I don't want to do four and a half hours on Trump at all. But I said, I'm just kind of surprised. I said, You know, I know you guys all had this big meeting with Trump when he was first elected, and I saw the videos of Diane Sawyer walking in and Jake Tapper walking in. And what did he say in that meeting? Right. And he wouldn't tell me. And then I said, well, I'll do the best I can, but my job is to be funny, and that's why you hired me. And then Jeff Zucker, for the first and last time, actually showed up at the platform. No kidding. And I just thought that was very odd. Like, I think you guys can trust me. The ratings have only gone up, you know. And so stuff like that, it still sticks with me because I'm shocked at the length certain people go. Certain people have gone to, quote, put me in my place. And that is something that is that weighs heavily on me because mm. I don't think it should be like that. Now, and I you, want it to be better for the younger women. Do you think since your um, really tremendously visible, happy state of mind, I mean, you look so happy, Kat. Oh, you I look, am happy. You look like so much better than last year. Yeah. You feel like you're more 
able to take on the life and, 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 and I think, and if you could, if you would explain, like, what did it feel like when you walked out into the sold out Mirage theater and the people went crazy? Like, what, what did it feel like to get back in the water on a huge wave and surf a, a huge Vegas casino and kill it? Well, I'm going to try not, try not to cry. Okay. Because honestly, it felt like I was home for the first time in five mm, years. Wow. I felt like I was home. The audience was so loving. They were standing. They were clapping. And I understand they, I hadn't even opened my mouth yet. They were clapping because I think I, I appreciate very much when people think I'm alive and thriving or whatever people say. And that's the truth. And I think um, the folks that come to my shows there's an understanding that I've been through kind of the mill. And you're honest about it. I talk about it. And also, I really enjoy talking about it because, as I said, at this point between COVID or between, like I said, cancer or recovery, who hasn't been through the mill? Right. And so, I will always make fun of celebrities and celebrity culture will always fascinate me. But, you know, I've kind of moved away from talking about the Kardashians all the time or talking about this celebrity. Uh, now I talk about some of it. Certainly if I've had a run in with somebody that's, that's funny to me, I'll try right. to make it funny or whatever. Right. But, you know, I am talking a little more about stuff I've been through in a way, hopefully, that the audience can relate to. And so that show was so meaningful to me because, you know, it showed such support. Yeah. And obviously for five years, I really doubted if any support was there hmm. because the business was sending me a message that was kind of like, no, thank you. You're not welcome here. And it's a business I love. Hmm. I haven't been treated so great by it. It's someone can be a crappy boyfriend sometimes, but it's a business I love. And like I said, I... I live to make people laugh. So to have that taken from me yes, for five years yes. was like a hole. And so were there little clubs you could go to? Could you do an open mic night? Could I you actually, walk into the improv and say, give me 10 or I, well, I've never really done well in clubs because sometimes if I'm like sandwiched between the two bro comics, it's kind of a tough vibe. Cause I'm more of a storyteller. And you know, my joke is it takes me 10 minutes to even finish saying hello. Right. And so I'm better in a little long form situation. But I did one thing like one time I just did five Mondays at the Laugh Factory and it was just me. And it was when the other comics were done. I think I did a 10 p.m. show or something. And those were fantastic. Now that was prior to my cancer. It was even prior to COVID. Wow. But I just literally put on a different set of PJs every Monday. Went there, danced around. I did a different hour every single week. I Which had people don't understand how hard that is to do another hour every week. I mean, I love I, these comedians, some of them are so unbelievably uh, productive. Like, I, I could not do that. It takes yes, me a long, an hour a week, Kat? Yes. No, honey, I couldn't. But thank you for believing in me. But uh, <laughs> I'm, uh, you know, I'm definitely going to start uh, doing it again. With, I'm going to go to Wendy Liebman's. Um, Wendy's so funny. She's so great. I, I loved her back way back when. Yeah, her delivery is so unique. She, I've never seen her bomb. I'm yeah, not kidding. No, never. Right. She's so funny. She really is. And she has a club in the Valley that yep. she books. So I talked to her on the TikTok. Yes. And uh, I'm like, Would, could I ever just come down? She's like, yeah. of course, yeah. you know. And Now, for me, I have to say, yeah. for me, that's called burning tickets. So, for example, if my, the last time I played L.A., I got to play the Kodak Theater. I think it's now called the Hollywood and Highland Theater, okay. where they have the Oscars. It's one of my favorite theaters to play in the world. It's just gorgeous, and the acoustics are amazing, 3,300 capacity. And frankly, if I go and do a pop-up at a club, there's 300 people that might go, you know what? I like Kathy Griffin, but I kind of just saw her two months ago. Ah. So, that's kind of where I'm coming from, is I have a dream of going back to the great venues that I could play five years ago on my last tour, Kathy Griffin, uh, Laugh Your Head Off. And I, I love, um, you know, uh, the Masonic in San Francisco. Mm. I would love to play Carnegie Hall again. I have a dream of playing Radio City again. And so I'm trying desperately to work up to that. And I will say, I think the reason I sold out in Vegas, and I think the reason I'm selling well for the October 6th show is... 
people haven't seen me in five years. Correct. And I was so touched because at the show in June, I heard from someone that came from Paris. Wow. Someone that came from Dublin. Multiple people from all over the country. And I have never had that. That is, Well, first of all, I used to do tours. There were like 80 cities in a year. But I find that so moving and so touching that, frankly, I'd kind of rather hold up and see, see, I don't know yet, if I can um, sell these theaters again. Yeah. I never think of it that way. But again, <laughs> I'm not a business, you know, I'm not as good with money as you. I'm not as, you know, I mean, I don't get ostentatious things and I don't yeah. have any interest in fashion. So that helps. You well, know, I've got a fashion bill. You, you know, do. I have you've to worry about. Got, you got a high one, right? I became a fashion girl. Yeah. I, I don't know why, but it just happened. Yeah. And I see you in all these designer clothes and all this. You know whose fault that is? Who? Bette Midler. No kidding. Yeah. When Bette Midler was on Kathy Griffin, My Life on the D-List, she showed up for the part where we were just kind of hanging out. And she had this insanely gorgeous Vivian Westwood dress. Mm -hmm. And I, of course, being a comic, I go bust her balls. I'm like, what do you think? We're going to a funeral? What the hell are you wearing designer for? And she goes, what are you talking about? You should be wearing this at this stage of the game. And I always remember saying that at this stage of the game. And if you remember, Bette reached an age where she became glam. She was doing beautiful hair and makeup. She dresses and Beth doesn't play. Yeah. So when she's out in like her New York social scene, which is no joke, she runs with the mockers. Yes. As our with Jewish that New York say. restoration project. Yes. Yes. And so I kind of took that to heart. And Joan was like that. And, you know, you know, Phyllis kind of. Phyllis kind of was like that. And so, you know, I'm trying to perpetuate this image that I'm kind of like the grand dame of stand-up comedy. <laughs> and I have a new character I'm working on called Kitty Carrington Colby Griffin. And <laughs> she is in very expensive designer clothing and designer moo's. And she hangs out with designers. And she's had a storied life where she's had many lovers. And they've been rich and poor. And naturally, she prefers rich. And so... Like, that's the sort of stuff that I, frankly, in my real life, where I started wearing this stuff, I started thinking of this character. And as I'm developing her, I don't know anything could happen. Yeah. But I might even do a Q&A with this character in Vegas as just a fun little way to kind of mix things up. Right, right. So, there you go. That's how my head works. Yeah. I go from buying nice stuff to, tell, to doing whatever Beth said. Because some of the divas, like Stevie Nicks. Love her. Are you ready for this? Yes. She gave me... A personalized makeup kit. Wow. She saw me on Stephen Colbert and she said, I didn't like your palette. Huh. And I said, okay. And so she had her makeup artist go out and shop. And I have the list in Stevie's handwriting to this day of every product. And let me tell you something that has been my palette. No because kidding. Because I am not like, what am I going to argue with Stevie Nicks? No, no. Are you suggesting I argue with Stevie I am Nicks? not. It sounds like you were suggesting listen, that I argue with Just Stevie like Nicks. a one-winged dove, I would thank never. You. I would never. <laughs> but listen, she uh, she's a friend of yours, though. You, you met friendly, her. And she's someone that very much stood by me, as you did. And a couple of times publicly, the last time she you know, uh, played the Hollywood Bowl, she dedicated landslide to me. Aww. And that was meaningful because I know there's a lot of like showbiz executive types that go to the bowl. And that was just so meaningful to me that she did that because, you know, it's a stamp of approval that some people were not uh, willing to do. And so yeah. that means a lot. Yeah. How is your marriage? How is Randy? It's good. My husband, Randy, is also my tour manager. Don't judge. I'm not judging. It works out. I think he's great. He's great. And he is 18 years younger. It's okay. And so that's okay as well. We've been together 12 years. Uh, and um, he's great. We have been getting back to work, which is great to see him in his element as well, because he's a fantastic TM, tour manager. Right. And so he coordinates with the venue and obviously with these new managers, he's the point person. And what's great about that is having Randy there and then these new managers, I don't have to do those calls anymore. Right. And that's what this management company has promised me. They said, you will never have to call an executive again. We're not going to let them call you at home because sometimes they have your phone number and then they try to get in that way. Oh, can you do this extra work for free or can you, you know, whatever. And so having that kind of, um, those kind of barriers is actually helpful to me because like I said, I'm used to kind of getting in the mud myself, yep. which ultimately has not been necessarily fruitful. Yeah. 
different direction as you go yeah. on onward, yeah. right? Yeah, onward in our into onward, our adult life uh, last third. So bad. You really do. You love the road. I love the road, and I love being on the road with Randy. Now, would you go on a tour bus with all your dogs, or what would you do? I well, we like to mix it up. So I will say one thing that makes me sad is I do think there are quite a few markets that I just couldn't play anymore because of the Trump scandal, like Texas. Well, Texas is an open carry state, as is Florida, mm. and that gives me real worries. Sure. Um, I still think it is shocking and appalling that people in those states have voted to make it possible for anyone to walk into a theater where a comedian is doing a show by herself and bring a firearm. Yeah, that is terrifying. Terrifying. Mind-blowing to me, only because... I don't think the person with the firearm is the one who's having it there to defend people. I think the person with the firearm wants to use it. And, you know, we're in a time when people do that stuff in a way that, to make a statement, et cetera. So, you know, it, it makes me sad because yeah. I think at the last time I played Houston, I played uh, Jones Hall, which is where the symphony plays, a gorgeous theater. And yet there was a guy outside with a Trump shirt and a knife waving around asking for me. Mm. And on video and um you know i the dallas symphony hall is amazing i'd love to play there again so we'll see i'm open to all of it and you know when i when i did the show in vegas i had just a ridiculous amount of security and i think frankly that makes everybody feel better and even the audience and um i would love to put together at least a dozen cities but you know i i would have to see where i'm welcome frankly and look the scary thing is you don't know till you're on sale so would I try to do Texas and Florida? I'm not sure. Let me right. talk to the man. What about the, all the casino there. towns? What about going from... You know, that's a tough market for me because... Is it really? Because you do so well in Vegas. It was. If I was the queen of the riverboat casinos, you know Right, those, yes. Those are almost all in Trump country, like mm. the deep south. Like, I don't know that I would go to Lafayette, Louisiana now because I don't know that they would welcome me. You know, and... That makes me sad because I do hear, and I guess one of the things that makes me sad what I see in social media is when a Trumper comes on my TikTok or my Instagram or whatever, and they say, you know, I used to like you, but now you're so ugly and disgusting and blah, blah, blah. And I think, you know what? They're being honest. These, some of these women did, did used to come to my shows mm. and they loved me because I kind of, you know. Made uh, fun of the Kardashians or whatever. Yes. Hollywood. Yes. Sort of a part of Hollywood, and that was always my thing. Is I'm going to kind of give you, while being D-list, a look behind the veil and see what's really going on, and make fun of all of it. Right. And remember, making fun of Hollywood is absolutely punching up. Yes, you know, totally. And I thought making fun of a president was punching up. I still do, but you know, things changed in a very seismic way for me. So I would honestly have to be quite mindful about where I would be able to go. But also, let's see where the offers are. I don't think I'm going to get offers from those places. Yeah. Well, you never know. Well, listen, we're already done. Our time is up. Oh, my goodness. It was quick and easy and fun. Good. But will you come back after your uh, October 6th gig and talk about how that went? Because I'm coming. I have tickets to that. I am so excited you're coming. Yes. And I promise to give you a lot, many good laughs. And yes, I'll come back whenever you want. Okay, perfect. Kathy Griffin, I love you. I'm glad that you're looking, feeling, and being so much better. I love you. All right, honey. We are um, going to take a little break, come back with questions. Don't go away. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents... A new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. 
Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals. It's not about being the best in the world. It's about doing what's best for the world. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. And I hope you enjoyed our little conversation, me and Kathy Griffin. And we have some questions from you, the loyal listeners. Thank you so much for leaving us a little voice memo. And uh, here's question number one. Roll it. Hi, Rosie. This is Rachel Winehouse from St. Louis, Missouri. I can't believe I'm calling. I never call. But I'm a huge fan of yours. I watched your talk show, and I was always so inspired how your entire life has been about following your dreams and making them come true. I, too, had a dream uh, to be a writer, and I've made that dream come true. But the reason I'm calling today is to respond to the question you posed about if you and Chelsea should discuss your mother-daughter struggles and relationship on the podcast. And I want to tell you a little bit about my own experience. Uh, My mother was a, a therapist when I grew up and was a pretty successful one. She wrote a a self-help book that sold a quarter of a million copies and was on Oprah. And she was an excellent therapist who was loved. Um, but we had a lot of struggles in our own mother and daughter relationship that I never really talked about um, until I decided to write a memoir a few years ago. And she was the first person I had read the draft and I wouldn't have published it without her approval. But what it led to for us was such a healing and path of recovery and has really changed our relationship. And deciding to be public about it and have it be a a huge part of my memoir has really helped many other people as well. Um, As we know, mother-daughter relationships can be very complicated, um, but they can also be beautiful and healing and wonderful. So I encourage you and Chelsea, if you both feel ready to take this step, that it could bring you closer and at the same time help so many others out there. Thank you again for all you do. I'm a huge fan. Bye. What a wonderful little voice memo. Thank you so much for that. That's so, uh, so beautiful. I, you know, I've been thinking about it a lot and, um, I think maybe when we have a little more time under our belt, me and Chelsea, you know, uh, would be when we are, we're both feeling very, very strong. I think that that might be a good time, you know, to do it. And, and I, I said to her, you know, we can record it and, and then we decide no one else hears it, just you and me. And then we decide if we think that it's something that could be beneficial and helpful to other people and and to both Chelsea and myself, you know. I mean, I I think a lot about uh, motherless daughters, you know, and and, uh, that's what what I am, right? So I grew up 
without a mom. Uh, and I wasn't so good at the separation from mom phase of uh, children's relation. Now, I was 10, so I didn't go through that pushing my mother away and trying to take on my own identity. Um, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't see that in my family because there was no mom there to do it to. And and the trauma of, of a, a dead parent is so profound on a child's psyche and on the family. So I, I think that I have a lot of things that I did wrong as a parent that, you know, I wish I could fix. And, and I guess I'm trying to do that, uh, that now as, as I'm more able to own, you know, what, what my side of the street is, so to speak. Right. And I think that that's, you know, this is going to be a healing, a healing journey that we're on. And, um, I'm, I'm thrilled to be even at the very beginning stages of it. And I'm hoping that it lasts for a long time. So thank you so much for your kind words and your uh, thoughtful um, prose. And I would love to know what the name of your memoir is. And thank you very much. All right, we got one more. Here we go. Hi, Rosie. It's Leslie calling from Houston. And I'm sure you'll pick up on my Texas accent pretty easily. Um, I was... I've been a follower and uh, for a long, long time and watched your show back in the, in the 90s and 96, I guess, is when you started. But I used to record your show every day. The recorder was set, my VHS recorder. Um, I think I probably still have some of those tapes, even though I don't have a VHS player anymore. But um, anyway, I... One day I was watching and I saw a tribute to Lori Beachman in, um, in memoriam of Lori Beachman because she had just passed away. Um, and she sang, it was a video of her, a clip of her singing on a clear day on your show. And what a bright light she was and just such a, so sparkling and, and, real and nowadays well through the years if i'm ever down i'll often go to youtube and find her video and of singing her singing on a clear day on your show and it always makes me happy and makes me sad because she's not here but makes me happy because what a great talent she was and i can just feel her, you know, coming through her, her music. So I wanted her family to know. I'm sure they do, but she really still lives on in others and she still makes a difference in people's lives. So thank you for bringing Lori Beachman um, to my awareness and then bringing Broadway to all of us. I haven't gotten to Broadway as much as I'd like to. And so... It was always very much appreciated that you brought Broadway to us. So thank you so much. Take care. Well, thank you. What a wonderful voice memo you left. I really do appreciate that. Yeah, Lori was amazing. Uh, what a phenomenal performer and singer. And uh, I loved every time we got to have her on the show. And yeah, people talk about her still. People, you know, ask about her and you know, she was a tremendous bright light and to watch her sing on stage or perform in a Broadway show was was just magical. And, um, you know, I miss her. I, I'm sure everyone does uh, who knew her. And, um, you know, I know her family will will greatly appreciate you sharing how much she means to you. You know, that's all that we hope for, right? When we're passed away, when we're gone, when we're no longer here right? That people remember you and that you might bring a smile to someone's face, you know. That's a pretty good legacy to leave right there, Lori Beachman. Well, thank you, everybody. Um, listen, next week, special show, a conversation with Lyle Menendez. He, of course, is serving a life without the possibility of parole sentence in prison, and uh, he's been in there for 34 years. And uh, we talk about his case, about the new evidence, and about the habeas 
that's been filed uh, to try to get resentencing for manslaughter instead of uh, what they got, which was life without the possibility of parole. Lyle Menendez next week. Don't miss it. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals. It's not about being the best in the world. It's about doing what's best for the world. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.